I V M. On uh, this session of I N I Nine, I have with me Paranaz Ispahani, a well-known Pakistani politician and well-regarded scholar. And I thought we'll take this opportunity to talk about uh, what I have called uh, a genocide against the minorities in Pakistan. Sort of understand whether she thinks that there is uh, genocide going on, and if so, what can be done to stop it and uh, protect the rights of uh, the people of Pakistan. So, do you think that there is a genocide going on? Absolutely. I have this um, issue with a lot of people in human rights organizations politicians in Pakistan, etc., who shy away and in fact really put down this word. And I sort of think back to Nazi Germany because, you know, when they first came for uh, the homosexuals or the gypsies or no one was using the word genocide, if you remember. Right. And at that point, therefore, because this word was not being used, the United States and all these countries, no one came to anyone's aid. You have to spot these things when they're starting at their inception. And as I have traced back um, in you know, the research for my book, this actually started as early as 1948, one year. Mm after the creation of Pakistan, after the partition of India and Pakistan. Um, if there is not a single community today, whether it's non-Muslim, so whether it's Hindu, Christian, Sikhs, um, Ahmadi, uh, etc., or Muslim, the Ahmadi Muslims, the Shia Muslims, who are not being target killed, whose places of worship are not being attacked, whose young girls are not being forcibly converted, right. and they can't convert back because that's punishable by death. Right. The blasphemy law, etc. many laws we have on our books are absolutely... So basically the whole culture has created an environment where a sizable uh, amount of the population has started Hating minorities. minorities. But, but I can understand because I, I use the word genocide very, very sparingly given the word, history of that word. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also been an abused word because people have used the word genocide to characterize lesser crimes and thereby devaluing it. Uh, but the condition of the minorities in Pakistan, and I, I used to think it was just a 10-year-old story, now that you're telling me it's not 1948. And even at 10 years, uh, you know, the, 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 the killings over 10 years, or trying to wipe out an entire community over a period of 10 years, it's, it's slow motion. So I, I used to think that it's a slow motion genocide. Uh, and because it's slow motion, there were very few people willing to accept that there's a genocide going on, as opposed to whether it's Rwanda or Bosnia, where hundreds or thousands of people were being killed right. in short periods of time. This is a longer period of time, but a few tens, a scores, 10 or 20 people being killed every day. And in fact, in the case of Pakistan, we've become so inured to the fact that the killings are going on, right. that a, a killing of 25 or 30 people just by the virtue of their identity in Pakistan doesn't make news uh, in, in the Indian press, it doesn't make news in the international press. So, yeah. uh, given this situation, do you think that there are there is a possibility there are either internal or external ways to prevent this from happening. 
to halt this slow this down and then ultimately to prevent this the problem was after the uh, qaeda as uh, mr jinnah the founder of pakistan died very very soon um almost like a, a within the first year after partition the establishment um needed to come up with an ideology and the ideology they hit upon was islam and this is where you get into a problem it doesn't matter with islam or communism you know under mao or uh, nazism under hitler when you seize on any one thing is the identity of a state you are immediately starting a, what i call a purification process mm. so the moment this islamic ideology came about every time there was a war with india hindus would be attacked and killed in pakistan every time there was friction with the west our christian populations would be targeted every time there's tension with iran the shia yeah. populations so those of us those pakistanis who are not strict sunni muslim men are basically not equal citizens of the state so the moment you're not an equal citizen of the state and the state gives you no uh, protections and you're being killed every day this is where you get second and most important issue to me is the same jihadi groups that the military establishment created and which weak civilian leaders allowed the creation of um those groups when they were no longer fighting or it's off season to fight in kashmir or they no longer in afghanistan at a certain point when they come back to pakistan the lashkar-e-jhangvi and all of these other uh, sort of jihadi groups they are allowed to let off steam by doing what lej likes best which is killing shias right. so they go after the hazara shias for example in quetta so we created these killing machines yeah for the strategic depth craziness of exporting islam right. and those same people are bringing the purification argument back home and purifying yeah. our own country then how would how would pakistan solve its own problem the only way i mean the two ways the slow way Uh, which has to be done but uh, sometimes i worry it's too slow is we just finished one five year democratic term um the last uh, pakistan people's party coalition government uh, then uh, we've had subsequently a uh, mr nawaz sharif another democratic government yeah. being um, elected they have to finish that term because until we can start to strengthen civilian uh, mechanisms and institutions we will never be able to get the military establishment out of foreign policy to get our inter-service intelligence and intelligence agencies from focusing on instead of spying on us Good. and killing journalists and uh, you know um, harassing politicians they should be gathering information which could be of use in protecting pakistan that's right i feel as a pakistani this issue is ours right. we have to make the change but till we change the narrative till there enough of us seeing what i'm saying 
I mean, in the recent um, United States um, uh, report on um, on human rights, Pakistan once again was not put in the list of the most in the countries where the you know most extreme violations of human rights against people of various religions and ethnicities. But India was pointed at, and so I find this a very strange thing where because of their own internal foreign policies, they're being duplicitous with the world and they're not helping Pakistanis like myself achieve a better Pakistan. Thank you. On that note, thank you very much. That was a nice conversation. Thank you. Hey, hey, it's been another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. On All Things Policy, Ananya Desai and Rohan Pai discuss recurrent bans on fireworks during festive seasons in India and discuss possible solutions to tackle India's air pollution problem. On the Habit Coach Podcast, Ashton Doctor welcomes Sahil Mehta, an esteemed mountaineer and author of the book Break Free. Sahil shares a transformative experience which became the catalyst for embracing discipline and fulfillment. The episode explores the profound impact of vulnerability on personal growth. Folks, if you like our shows, do spread the word. Tell your friends and don't forget to rate and review them wherever you're listening to them. Follow us on social media. We are IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. You'll also find all our shows on YouTube at youtube.com slash Podcasts. And finally, we would like to thank our sponsors this week. Omidyar Network India, Abbott, IDFC First Bank and Save Life Foundation. Thank you for making this possible.